But this morning is going to be a really a fast-paced experience when we talk about parenting and grandparenting. We're talking from 9 to 12, but we're going to talk about a lot of things within three hours. And I really don't expect you to have all the answers to all the questions that you have, because if parenting was that easy, if grandparenting was that easy, we wouldn't even need a workshop, right? We could just give you all the answers and you'd be all set. Uh, but we do hope that this would give you some encouragement, give you some equipment, and uh, I would welcome uh, different ways that we can talk about parenting and grandparenting here at Hope Chapel uh, as we continue. Um, parenting is really one of those things that I don't think anybody enters fully aware of what's going to happen, right? You just don't know what's going to happen. But you don't really enter into parenting and grandparenting without some knowledge of what you would like for it to look like. Uh, new parents, they always have this idea of what they're going to do for their children and what they're not going to do for their children. They may say, my kids will never, ever sit in front of a TV. I'm never going to give them an iPad. I'm never going to do these things. And those of who has kids, we kind of laugh on the inside. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> right? Sometimes it just doesn't work out how you hoped it would work out. But you have some idea of what you would like for it to, to be like. I can remember when my wife and I had our firstborn son. Uh, we were in Springfield, Missouri. I was going to graduate school. I was also working about 50 hours a week at a grocery store. My wife was working full time. And uh, so we were pretty busy. It was a busy time in our lives. And uh, I'd get home about 1230 in the morning. I'd take about the 2 a.m. shift so my wife can get a little bit more sleep. And I would hold our son and rock him in this chair, extremely exhausted, feeding him a bottle, and I'd turn the TV on, and for some reason, every commercial at 2 a.m. is a kind of announcement that says, don't shake your baby. <laughs> Put the baby down. Walk away from the baby. And I remember watching the TV and going, yes, I, I won't shake my baby. I'll put the baby down. I'll walk away from the baby. I never shook a baby, so you don't have to worry about that. But there's many times that I cried out, God, God, why? Why would you do this to us? Why would you create such a tiny little thing and it eats my brain? Why, God, why, God, would you do that to us? And and really, babies, you just take them home, and they're all confused about what to do. And to me, I find that very confusing as well, because this, this thing has been growing inside its mommy's womb. And the mom has kept kind of a schedule of eating and trying to sleep and such things. And then the baby comes, and what's with trying to eat at night and sleep during the day? Why are they so confused? That's the part that I don't really understand. But those are some of the, the hard parenting things that we have to, to do with. And then, of course, there's grandparents. Grandparents get to kind of sit back, and they've been there before, and they laugh at their own children, trying to raise their children, right? My, my mother always said, that's called reaping and sowing. <laughs> my kids do some of the same things that I did growing up, like color with a bunch of crayons on the wall instead of taking a nap. I did that, and my kids have done that. And so as, as a parent, we have this tough thing of parenting and, and grandparenting. 
And there's several things that have kind of stayed the same as generations go on. Uh, some things do change. Uh, often kids aren't growing up and moving out of the home and starting traditional families like they have generations ago. Many grandparents are raising their own grandkids. And so it's a different time, but there are some things that remain constant from generation to generation when it comes to parenting and grandparenting. And one of those things is that children and teenagers will always need someone to teach them everything they need to know. Children and teens will always need someone to teach them everything they need to know. And that's sometimes hard to grasp because we don't remember when we didn't remember. We just always feel like we've always known this, but we've never always known this. We've always had to learn everything. A child and a teen have to learn everything from somebody. And as a parent, we have really the primary role to be the teacher in our homes. We teach them life skills. We teach them how to deal with their emotions. We teach them how to interact with other people. We teach them love and respect and forgiveness and kindness. We teach them about money and work and responsibilities. We teach them about God and sin. But we also partner with other people when it comes to teaching our children and our teenagers. We do so when we send them perhaps to grandma's house. We, we partner with people when we send them to school or we send them to down to Kids Connect or to church when we sign them up for clubs or for sports teams. We're partnering with other people to teach our kids some things in life. Our kids are really constantly learning something. They're learning things from their friends. They're learning things from TV. They're learning things from their siblings. And so parenting is not just teaching them what they need to know, but sometimes it's correcting bad at teaching that they've learned. And when it comes to parenting, one of the harder things is that you do not have control over every influence in your child's life. That's a hard thing as a parent. You do not have control over every influence in your child and teen's life. And so all of a sudden they're going to do stuff. They're going to talk back to you. They're going to disrespect you. And you go, where in the world did that come from? I thought I brought you up better than that. You don't talk to me like that. And you begin to wheel in some control. You're trying to get a control of the situation. But it's not about control. It's about leveraging those influences. It's about leveraging other people to speak into the heart of your child, to speak into the heart of your teenager. And hopefully you're allowing them to make wise decisions based upon God's values. And hopefully they have a faith in him. And those are really big shoes to feel, fill as a parent and a grandparent, right? The big job as a parent is to uh, not allow our children and our teenagers to simply float around in life and that somehow they're going to learn all the lessons they need to learn in order to succeed in life. We can't allow our children just to kind of float by in life and hopefully they learn everything they need to know to be successful, so when we talk about it's just a phase, we're not saying it's just a phase. Don't worry. The, the, the place where your kid is, the place where your teenager is, it's going to go by real quick. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to work out. Just sit back and relax. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about it's a phase. Because the things that you do now lay a foundation that your kids are building on. 
They're going to grow up, go into middle school, to go into high school, to become an adult. And they're going to enter into realms of dating and friendships and peer pressure and sex and Internet issues like bullying and pornography. There's a lot of things that a parent can worry about. And it's not about being so worried that we somehow try to shield and protect our children from those things because that's really a parenting plan that's about ready to explode. It's not about worrying so much about what's going to happen to them in the future, but it's about cherishing where they are right now. That's what we mean by it's a phase. It's a phase. Your kids are constantly developing and they're in a certain stage right now so we want you not to miss it don't miss it embrace where they are embrace the baby phase embrace them crying and screaming and saying i need you and i need you now embrace the the toddler stage and the preschool stage where they're lurking to explore and discover Embrace them going into kindergarten and kind of moving maybe outside of the home if you go to public schools. Embrace third grade and trying to learn common core math and all the school projects they're bringing home. Embrace those times. Embrace when they move into middle school and they think they know it all and you know nothing. Embrace when they go into high school and when they're developing different friendships with people and they're experiencing what friendship disappointment is like, embrace them being ready for college and getting in a car and driving for the first time. Embrace the phase because every phase is crucial and every phase has some common uh, opportunities within each phase. So we're calling a phase this. It's a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. And this is in your notebook. It's a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. Each time frame in a child's life carries unique opportunities to help them develop their confidence, to develop their character, to develop their identity, to develop their faith. Each phase is unique and each phase is critical. So there's three things I want to talk about when it comes to every phase that your child and your teenager may experience. And the first is that there are significant relationships that will influence their future. There will be significant relationships that will influence their future. You know, as a parent of a baby, you're pretty much the significant relationship in that phase as a baby. But as they get older, you're going to be sharing that role with many other people. And so I encourage those who have younger kids to already begin to introduce them to other people within the relationship. Allow them to be comfortable meeting other adults, other people that may be a significant relationship in their life. Kind of tear the Band-Aid slowly for that separation anxiety. But you always maintain the thought that you will be and that you need to be a significant relationship that will influence their future, no matter what phase they are in. As they get older, it's going to be easier for you just to allow the pendulum to swing 
because they're going to want to swing it to, to somebody else. And it's going to be easier for you to allow the pendulum to swing and say, okay, you teacher, you coach, you youth pastor, you take them. But you also need to maintain to be a significant relationship that will influence their future. They need you to be that. As a parent, you need to know what are some of the relationships that they're involved in. What are some of the friendships that they have? And I'll give you a little bonus. It's not you. It shouldn't be you. Though They're going to be your friend as they get older and they become an adult. But too often, I see parents who, who want their kids to be their friend way too early. When, when their teenager really needs them to still be a parent. Then all of a sudden something happens and that friend turns into the parent. But then that relationship, that, that significant relationship, it's gone. You've kind of given up that parenting role because you wanted to be their friend. So maintain that significant relationship in each and every phase that you are the parent. And you want to help influence their future. And certainly as the kids get older, you're going to want to find other significant relationships to speak into their life to help them influence them. This is where everything that comes out of your mouth, your teenager may say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You don't even know what it's like to be me and so on and so forth, right? That's why you need to find somebody who's going to speak truth into their lives. They'll probably say the same things you say, but for some reason, that person is amazing. Everything they say, it's so powerful. And you can say to yourself, I've been saying the same thing for years. Well, you can say, I'm glad that I have someone else who is speaking truth into my teenager's life that I can partner with that will influence their future. So you need to know who are those people that can speak truth into your children's life. And to begin to put the people that you would like to influence their future around them. I'm a little biased because I'm a pastor here at Hope Chapel, but I think we have a great opportunity for for you to begin to connect and kids connect, for you to bring your, your kid to Monday night youth nights and Wednesday night youth nights. There are people here, there are people down on our youth, the people down on Kids Connect, that they're there because they want to influence a child whatever phase they are in. We have the youth pastor, we have the children's director, we have volunteers, adult chaperones, all sorts of people who want to speak truth into your child's life. And I think it's kind of foolish for us to not take advantage of that opportunity, those significant relationships that can influence your child's life. Sometimes what happens is all of a sudden, a parent will come and they'll say, I need somebody in the church to be a significant relationship in my teenager's life. They're 16, 17, 18, 22 years old, and you want us to try to be the significant relationship in that person's life to, to speak truth and to influence their future? We're not saying it's not possible, but that's a tough battle because they are already going to want to do what they want to do. They're ready for the next phase, and you're trying to bring them back in and, and start that relationship that should have started a long time ago. So the idea is to don't miss it. Don't miss that in each phase there's a significant relationship that's going to influence their future. And do you know who those significant relationships are? 
Are you the one that's putting them in place? Two, you need to know your child's present realities. Know your child's present realities. Each child is really unique. They have their own personalities, their own desires, their own habits, their own hobbies, their own physical, mental, and emotional makeup. Everyone is unique, and yet there are striking similarities between uh, those who share the common phase. And so you need to know what, what are kids like in this phase. It's, it's good for you to understand, okay, my baby, all my baby wants is me now, like right now. That's what babies want. Toddlers, they're saying, I want to do it. Me do, me do, me do, right? Preschoolers are saying, watch me. Mommy, mommy, mommy. See, see, watch, 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 watch. You're having to watch everything all the time. I see you, I see you, I got you. You know, they, they get a little bit older, and uh, uh, older elementary kids, they're saying, are my friends doing that? Because I want to do what my friends are doing. You know, earlier they're saying, I just want to do anything that's fun, but now I want to do what my friends are doing. Are my, are my friends doing that? They get into the middle school, and they say, I don't like that anymore. I'm too grown up. They get into high school, and they're saying, this is who I am. This is what makes me me. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? They get older high school, and they're saying, I'm ready for the next phase, and I need you to trust me. Do you trust me? That's a fast life from I need you now to I want to go on my own. Are we ready for those phases? Are we understanding where our kid is at in the present reality? You need to know what the phases are and what the next phase for your child or your teenager may be like. Because if, if we're going to try to lead them and influence their future, we got to know where they are and we got to know where they're going. we got to know how they are developing maybe mentally, emotionally. And you can learn a lot of things from conferences like this, from talking to people, reading books, joining groups, all sorts of ways for you to understand uh, where your kid is at now. And I think the more that you understand where they are, the more that you can react appropriately. When I understand that my toddler and preschooler is just wanting to understand and explore and discover and figure out what they can do, I can understand that they're not just trying to push my buttons and get me upset. When I understand that they're exploring and they're discovering and part of doing something new and figuring out how to do it involves messes, then I can try to be okay with the mess. And I'm a little structured. Anybody who knows me, messes just don't fit into my structured it's lifestyle. But I have to be, I have to understand that it's, if, if, if I sit there and just complain about the mess all the time and, and, and just kind of yell and scream about all the messes they're going to make, then I'm prohibiting them from exploring and discovering and figuring out how to do things in life. And I don't want to do that. The more I understand how my adopted son has issues with reading and how he has issues with uh, memorizing words, then I can understand why he says, do I have to go to school today? I don't want to go to school because he doesn't want to go to school because he struggles in reading. But I also know that he likes comic books. So I can say, hey, let's go find some comic books that can also help you read. 
not just look at the pictures. You know, I can understand more about him and where he's at and help him to navigate the phase that he is in. The more that I know, the more that I can help them. So you need to know where they are at. Not only knowing what phase they're in and what the next phase may look like, but you need to know them individually. And that happens while you're talking with them. And sometimes it's not really talking with them. It's more of listening from them. And it's very hard for us to just completely shut our mouth and to listen. No instructions, no directions, no advice, just listen. Because children and teenagers, they have people speaking into their lives every day, all day. Do this, don't do that. They're getting instructions, directions, they're getting advice. But not very many kids and teenagers have someone who truly wants to listen to their feelings, their needs, and their opinions. One of our sons he loves to give his opinion about everything. And it's hard not to think that he's being defiant. He's being disrespectful. He's just trying to make up excuses to not do what we've asked him to do. Rather than saying, okay, I'm going to listen to your short story, long story, your reasoning, your mental process so that we're not just stifling how he's expressing himself to where he just says, you know what, my, my mom or my dad, they don't really care to hear what I have to say. We want to keep that door open so as they grow older, they can know I can go to my mom and dad. I can talk about how I'm feeling. I can talk about what I'm experiencing. We want that door to maintain open. So we need to understand our children and our teenagers individually, and that involves spending time with them just listening. One of the things that our family has done is allowing them to do that individually. We have four kids in our home. Maybe you've got multiple children. How do you allow your children to know that you're listening? So we've done it for a little while. We, we ended up getting a little behind, and so we had to start it back up. But we take once a month, one of us takes one of our children out. It used to be something fun, and then it just got kind of overblown. So now we're just going to say we're going out for breakfast. One-on-one, you get to go out for breakfast, and you've got our undivided detention. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. And uh, that seems to really work because the kids love that. It's my turn. It's my turn. I get to go out for breakfast. They love that one-on-one. And when they know that you know them, or at least you're trying to listen to them, then they will know that they matter. They will know that they matter, and they really need someone who believes in them. And when they know that you know them, or at least you're trying to listen to them, the more that they will believe that they can succeed. They have this confidence that someone's got their back, this confidence that God has given them the abilities to do the things that God has called them to do. The more that they know that you know them, or at least you're trying to listen to them, the more that they feel like they belong. It's great to feel like you belong to something. No one wants to feel like a stranger and an alien and the only one no one understands. 
Allow them to feel like they belong. Then there's this, a sense of hope and assurance that I can do this. And when they know that you know them, or at least you're trying to listen to them, the more that they'll be able to discern what they need to do. They need to know that you trust them. And you need to know that you can trust them. You need to know that they can make decisions. So then you need to allow them to make some decisions without you always giving them instructions and approval. We have a daughter who just, she has a crazy experience growing up in life. She's our foster daughter waiting for us to adopt her, but she waits for approval, instructions for everything. So if we say clean up your room and we say make sure you pick that up or that up, she'll pick up that and that and that's it. When we know them and they know that we know them or we're at least trying to listen to them, they're able to make the decisions on their own. We've got to give them opportunities to be trusted, to make decisions. So don't miss the opportunities that you have to know their present realities and to know where they're going. And third, we need to engage in that phase's distinctive opportunities. Engage in the phase's distinctive opportunities. A child and a teenager, they're constantly growing. They're changing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally. Each phase has a distinctive opportunity that aren't necessarily present in the other phases. That's why we're saying don't miss it. You know, I can't say to my three-year-old, you need to learn hard work and generosity. Go over to the next-door neighbors and mow their yard this summer. Can't do that. I can say that to my 14-year-old. And if I wait till they're 17 to say it, I've missed the opportunity. Each phase has its own unique opportunities. At three years old, I just want them to be able to pick up a couple toys and stop biting people. <laughs> right? And by the time they're 17, I want to see them learn that value of hard work and generosity where they're working a job, they're paying for their own gas or, or phone bill, or they're going on mission trips to help build orphanages overseas. That's what I want them to do. I want to capture that phase. But there's a lot of distinctive opportunities in all these other phases leading up to that moment. You'll have opportunities to walk with your children and teens and teach them the values of character and integrity and patience and responsibility and possessions and their money. You'll get to teach them about their potential to know God, potential to know his plan for sin, their potential to understand that they are in need of a savior, their potential to understand how God has gifted them in a unique way to make a difference in the church today, to make a difference in their friendships, to make a difference in their culture, to make a difference in their community. And each of those phases are going to have the opportunities to, to speak into those, those areas. And of course, each stage comes with its own unique struggle. We often call twos the terrible twos. I've kind of phrased the threes as the terrorist threes. They just like to hijack everything. And then those who have teenagers, you're not laughing because you're like, <laughs> wait till they're teenagers. You ain't seen nothing yet. There's not even a word to describe that. So there's a lot of opportunities for us to capture in these phases. In your little notebook, in here, there were some blank pages, but there's also some graphics in here. These are not mine. I did not create them. They came from an organization that knows a lot about kids and 
teens and, and even college students, and they've created or try to create uh, key statements and phrases to go along with each of these phases. And uh, it may be true for where your child's at or may not be true, but it gives you a little bit of benchmark about where they're at and maybe what the next phase may look like. And then on the bottom, you can see that they're saying so many weeks and counting, so many weeks and counting. There's about 963 or so weeks from birth to when they graduate and, and maybe go off to college. So you have only so many weeks within each phase. And that could be reassuring that says, okay, this phase won't last forever. My baby who needs me now, when they're 16, they're not going to say, I need you now. They're going to say, let me go. Get out of here. So there's a little bit of reassurance that the phases aren't going to last as long. But there's a little warning to us that says, there's only so many weeks left for you to influence their future, for you to understand their present realities. There's only so many weeks for you to capture those opportunities in the phase that they're in. If they're in the 12th grade, you've got just weeks perhaps left with them. It can be a scary moment, right, for parents? You always wonder, did I do everything that I could have done? And you can wrestle back and forth whether you've done a good job. And a lot of it we just leave into God's hands. And that God would fill in the blanks that we totally messed up on. So that's my encouragement for this morning, that you would just not miss any phase that your child or your teenager is in and will be in. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you that you are our father and you have taught us so many things about what it means to be a father or to be a parent and how to be a grandparent. Help us to have clear minds to know how we can know better our children and our teens and our grandchildren so that we can speak truth into their lives to help know them and help them navigate where they are. And God, we just pray that you would fill in the gaps and the pieces, bring in significant relationships where they would need people to help guide them and influence their future. We ask these things in your name. Amen.